The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. We are starting a new series called Reaching Others. Reaching Others today. And um, so the first part of the series today is really about the why, the importance of reaching out. We're looking at the why. Why do we do it? And we're going to be doing that, looking at three things that we do, okay? Um, You know, I remember the very first time I ever felt compelled to share my faith with a complete stranger. Years ago, I was on my way to see a friend going on my merry way when I suddenly felt this strong urge to share my faith with two guys who were hanging around the corner somewhere. And, um, and that was new to me. Uh, and my initial reaction was, uh, uh, I'm not sure. So I started having this conversation with the Lord in my head. I'm like, um, Lord, I don't know them. And they don't know me. So, and then I carried on and I said, Lord, the thing is, I don't even know what to say to them. So I was having this conversation with the Lord, and in the end, I just said, Lord, do you know what? I'm going to see my friend. Uh, we agreed a time. So I tell you what, if these guys are still here on my way back, <laughs> I'll go and share the gospel with them. And so I went. And, and of course, completely forgot about it, spent time. And then on my way back, uh, as I was approaching the place, I suddenly remembered, oh, oh, yeah. And then, you know, you kind of, I hope they're not still there. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately for me, oh, they were still there. I mean, who hangs around a street corner for hours on end? They were still there. I've got to say, I was absolutely petrified. I mean, it's not my character to walk up to us. I was petrified. Uh, but I'd reached an agreement with the Lord. So I had to go. So with my knees knocking and my heart racing. I walked up to these two guys and I shared the gospel with them. I don't remember what I said. Uh, I know they didn't kind of fall down and start crying and give their lives to the Lord. No, none of that happened. Um, but they listened. They listened to what I had to say and I walked away feeling happy. And it, later on, of course, in my faith, I recognized that as Paul said, the thing is, um, some people sow the seeds, some people water the seeds, the Lord gives the increase, and some people do the harvest. We have no idea what stage an individual is at. All we can do is obey what God is asking us to do. That's all we can do. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you this morning. I thank you because you are here. I pray, Lord, that you will come and speak to our hearts. Touch our hearts and let your word, let it come and rest in us and give us the boldness and the courage to do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, like I said, we're going to be looking at reaching others. 
Uh, we'll look at it in the context of three things. Um, reaching out, saving lives, and growing the church. We're reaching out, saving lives, and growing the church. Firstly, let's look at the why. Why should we be reaching out? You know, Peter, in one of his letters to the various churches in Asia Minor, modern the Turkey, he, um, he was addressing an issue. Some people were beginning to uh, ask the question, you know, this Jesus, when is he coming back? They were beginning to mock. Uh, of course, some of the disciples at the time actually believed that Jesus would come back in their lifetime. Uh, but they were beginning to mock. Oh, when is this Jesus coming back? And Peter responding to that in a Latin, we read that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says this. It says that Jesus isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though it sometimes seems that way. But he is waiting for the good reason that he is not willing that any should perish. And he's given more time for sinners to repent. He's not willing that any should perish. But he's given more time for sinners to repent. Paul repeats the same message in his letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5. And Paul said that God longs for all to be saved. And to understand the truth. That's what's in the heart of God. You know, in December, we had the theme, Light Your World. Okay, that was the theme. And that was all about our actions and our words lighting our environment. Now, we can't really do that without sharing Jesus because he is the light. And then, of course, over the last few weeks, Pastor Jonathan and also Pastor William have been looking at pressing ahead. And I love the way the Pastor Jonathan demystified the whole intercession thing. Because usually we think of intercessors as people in, a, you know, in some remote place spending 24 hours a day praying and interceding. I love the way that he demystified it, that we're all to intercede. And here's the thing, as we intercede, as we press ahead, as we draw close to God, we start to hear God's heart. And as we start to hear God's heart, we start to hear what Peter and Paul are saying. That it's his desire that all should be saved. You know, we've got to ask the question, how are sinners going to repent? How exactly are they going to repent? Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he's pouring out his heart. And uh, he's telling them again that his desire, so Paul is hearing God's heart. And Paul is now saying to the Romans, my desire is that all should be saved. Exactly the same thing that God is saying. And he goes on to tell them how. You know, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. But he goes on in Romans 10.14. And we read this. He says, but how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? How are they going to hear about him 
unless someone tells them. You know, there's a myth that faith is a private thing. I get the sense the idea is it's private, so keep it to yourself. Well, how are people going to hear? How did we hear? And how are others going to hear if faith is a private thing, which means we keep it to ourselves? That's not what the Lord is asking us to do. When Jesus was going um, after the resurrection, he was preparing his disciples. And he gave them these last words. And we read in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples in all the nations. Go. That's a very active word. Go and make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, that I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Are you a disciple of Jesus? We could ask ourselves, are you a disciple of Jesus? If you are a disciple of Jesus, then this command is for you. Go and make disciples. When we reach out, we save lives. When we reach out, we save lives. You know, the other week, um, I was talking to Helen, and she was sharing this story of uh, her and her sister having a conversation years ago, your younger sister. And, uh, and the younger sister asked Helen, are you a Christian? And Helen said, no. And she started to cry, right? Crying, crying. And um, because, of course, in her heart, it's like my sister is heading in a direction that is going to keep her in eternal damnation. The heart. And in that story, I kind of felt the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of the Lord. You know, no, I don't want you going in that direction. And it reminded me of a story I'd heard of a preacher who... um, Used to, uh, used to do that, but in a more open place. Uh, apparently, there's a story goes that they, 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 they were going somewhere, and it stopped by the post office to, to, to do something in the post office. And they were waiting for him, and it wasn't turning up, it wasn't turning up. And I thought, what's happened to this guy? So they went to the post office, and they found him on the floor in the post office, crying, crying his eyes out, they're going to hell, Lord, they're going to hell, save them. And the Lord had overwhelmed him, and he was there in the post office. And the others were like, oh, goodness, what are we going to do? Let's get this guy out of here. But, but the, the, the story was that that actually used to happen to him quite frequently, where the presence of the Lord would just be so overwhelming, and he would be crying out about the lost. Now, I wonder if we were to experience some of the prophets, you know, the Jeremiah's of this world, if they happen in our day, what would we be thinking? Would we kind of go, lunatic, I better run away from him? Or would we be thinking, oh, what a prophet of the Lord. The heart, God's moving the heart. And it reminds me of the story of Ezekiel. So Ezekiel was one of the exiles that was taken into captivity. And Ezekiel recounts the story of how he encounters God. And we read that in chapters 1 and 2 of Ezekiel. 
And he's seen the vision. The Lord has shown him the vision. And the Lord is saying to Ezekiel, I'm going to send you to a people, but those people are not going to want to hear what you have to say. They're not going to want to hear what you have to say. And sometimes we feel that way about the gospel. That these people don't want to hear what we have to say. But listen to what God said to Ezekiel in chapter 3, verse 18. Pretty strong stuff. If you refuse to warn the wicked, what I want you to tell them, you're under the penalty of death. Wow, that's quite strong. Therefore, repent and save your life. They will die in their sins, but I will punish you. I will demand your blood for theirs. But if you warn them and they keep on sinning and refuse to repent, they will die in their sins, but you are blameless. You have done all you could. We have to ask ourselves, are we doing all that we can? Have we done all that we could? And if a good man becomes bad and you refuse to warn him of the consequences and the Lord destroys him, his previous good deeds wouldn't help him. He should die in his sin, but I will hold you responsible for his death and punish you. Very strong. But it gives you the sense of God wants us to act, to do something, to reach out, to save lives. In John 3, 17 to 18, the Bible says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. There is no eternal doom awaiting those who trust him to save them. But those who don't trust him have already been tried and condemned for not believing in the only Son of God. Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost. That's what he came to do. You know, Reinhard Bonke is a great evangelist, one of my favorite evangelists of all time. And uh, he passed away late uh, 2019. And um, really, really influential uh, had a great impact, particularly in Africa, where he spent many, many years uh, um, reaching out in Africa. Tens and tens of millions got saved because of him going out. And in fact, I remember I was in Lagos, Nigeria, when he had uh, uh, this, this one of the single largest crusades where they, they counted a million decision cards in one event. I think there were about 1.6 million people. We could hear the loudspeakers from where we were. He reached out to many. He said this, and I quote, The church of Jesus Christ is a lifeboat, not a pleasure boat. All hands are needed on deck for saving the lost. Not just the evangelists, not just the pastors. All hands are needed on deck for the job of saving the lost. I really, really believe it is every Christian's responsibility to seek and to save the lost. Every single Christian's responsibility. And as we save the lost, we grow the church. We grow the church. Let me give you some statistics. In only 2011 census, um, just under 60%, about 33 million people, 
identify themselves as Christians. This is 2011. A quarter reported no religion. And about 15% identified with a variety of other faiths. In 2016, there was a YouGov poll. And uh, we've got to take polls with a pinch of salt, especially if you look at the electoral polls of recent years. Uh, but they're usually not a million miles away. In that poll, it showed that 28% believed in God, 20% in some spiritual power, um, 38% had no belief, and 14% were unsure what they believed. And then there was uh, some work by the Briley Consultancy, set up by uh, Dr. Briley, uh, with a stated aim of strengthening Christian leadership by providing data. They reckon that church attendance as of 2020 was at 4.9% of the population, about 2.79 million people in the United Kingdom. And the trend is forecasted to continue to drop. That is what we are dealing with. The question is, are we going to attempt to do anything? Or are we going to just go, do you know what, that's just the way it is. That is the question we've got to ask ourselves. You know, I remember back uh, many years, fast forward from my very initial experience of sharing my faith with um, a complete stranger. Uh, my wife and I, we were dating at the time, or courting, whatever it's called. Uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know what the term is these days. And, um, and so we decided to register for this evangelistic mission uh, or outreach, uh, very similar to like the turning. So we registered, and the idea was during the day you go over training, and you get sent out to a corner of London to go and preach the gospel. You got your script, and you're dealing with complete strangers. So now, the thing is, my confidence level was, wasn't any different from the first time that uh, I had that experience. I was still petrified of going to people that I didn't know. Uh, but we went, and, uh, but this time around, it wasn't just me, right? So, you know, and then I was with me. And I remember we uh, approached uh, this young lady. I still remember her name to today, but Sharp was the name. Uh, I was the first, first person we approached. And we kind of went through the script, you know, yeah, you go through the script and you're talking to her and, and she's responding. And then at the end, you have to ask the question, would you like to make a commitment? Would you like to give your life to Jesus? And she said, yes. And you know, you kind of think, no, no, no. Would you like to give, yes. Are you sure? <laughs> because we didn't plan for success. <laughs> we were just going because we felt like we had to. We didn't plan for success. So then you kind of think, I think we've got to do something. Oh, yeah, we've got to say a prayer. And then we kind of stumbled through that, and we said a prayer, and we, uh, we talked to her. Um, but actually, you could see that she was physically moved. The Lord was clearly doing something. And in this case, we were at the tail end of the process. We were the ones reaping the harvest. Whereas my very first experience, I didn't know what stage we were at. But we were reaping the, uh, the, the rewards here. And the thing is, 
during that mission, we actually saw many people come to the Lord. You know, it was a fantastic mission. A little bit like the turn, where it energized the church. Um, we saw people give their lives. Now, of course, there is work for the church to do to translate that into discipleship. That's a story for another time. But it was just the sense that we are seeking and saving the lost. And people are making a commitment to follow Christ. That was a wonderful experience for us. And um, I still remember it till today. The name stuck in my head. We're talking, I don't know, a couple of decades. But never forgot the name. I'll go back to Reinhard Bonke. He has a, a saying that his job is to populate heaven and to plunder hell. That was his saying. Populate heaven and plunder hell. There are two ways that the church grows. Clearly, we grow in number as we reach out and we start to save lives. But secondly, we deepen our faith because I can assure you there are many questions you get asked when you're sharing your faith. And um, it causes you to go back to the Lord. You know, there are some things, and, and actually in this series, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor William are going to be addressing some of those questions. You know, the amazing questions you get asked sometimes. What about the dinosaurs? Uh, I'm quite looking forward to see what Pastor Jonathan has to say about those. Or, oh, religion causes more conflict than it does good. Again, I'm looking for the answers to those questions, Pastor. As, uh, as you address those things. But your faith deepens as you share your story. It deepens. You know, there are two questions I think, at the very least, each of us needs to be able to answer. As a very foundation. Firstly, ask yourself, why did you become a Christian? Why did you become a Christian? Ask yourself that question. And the second question is this. Why have you remained a Christian? So why did you become a Christian? Why have you remained a Christian? Because answers to those questions can form the basis of your conversation with others. You don't have to know everything the Bible says. You don't have to have an answer to every question people are going to ask you. You're probably never going to have an answer to every question everyone's going to ask you. But you can start from, why did you become a Christian? And why have you remained a Christian? Because in that, you're sharing something that you're very comfortable with, something that you know, something that they can't argue against. They can argue, yeah, but the Bible was this, or um, yeah, that preached. No. You start from where you are and share your faith. Share this gospel. Jesus isn't asking us to commit to uh, kind of once a year evangelistic outreach or uh, whatever it is. He's asking us to reach out to those around us. We were asking the question, how did people, who was the most influential person in your decision to come to Christ? A lot of the answers must the family. 
I think maybe just, um, that's just Bromley Town Church. But generally, it's either going to be family, it's going to be a stranger, a work colleague. In other words, the same relationships that each and every one of us holds. We have family, we have friends, we have work colleagues, we meet strangers. So we have people that we can reach out to. I'm going to leave you with another quote from Reinhard Bonke. He said that an unpreached gospel is no gospel at all because it helps nobody. An unpreached gospel is no gospel at all because no one is helped. So let me really, really encourage you today to decide that from today, You're going to start reaching out, saving lives, and growing the church. Because that is a task that we all have, every one of us. Father, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you that you are with us, as you said, always. The simplicity of the gospel. Christ has died. We are forgiven. Christ alive. We are the reason. Father, let this gospel be on our lips and help us to share it to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com